the Adorable Boy Podcast. Disciples. This is your fearless leader, Spud Adorableski, the Adorable Boy. And I'm here with you on another edition of the Adorable Boy Podcast. We got Frank and Beans. He's behind the glass. He's producing. He doesn't know how to use a microphone, but we still love him. He's still pretty good, actually. Um, so much to get to on this new edition of the Adorable Boy Podcast. I'm so excited. Uh, big, big news. Um, we've been talking about it for weeks, weeks and weeks and weeks. A lot of, lot of legal hurdles to clear. A lot of things to get done. Adorable boy just uh, knocked into the trash can. You know how it is in these radio stations. Anyway, a lot of legal proceedings, a lot of legal wrangling. We needed to get done to, to get our new PD on the air. Ladies and gentlemen, adorable boy disciples, one and all, the wait is over. Our new PD is here, and he's ready to come on the air with the Adorable Boy Podcast. You know why? Because we're ready to take over podcasting. That's what we're doing. That's what we've been doing. And he's going to help us. He's going to focus us. And it's going to be great. And no one will be able to stop us. So excited. All right. Let's hear it up. Let's turn up the, uh, the mic on the crowd, because I know they want to be, be heard. We have a live crowd outside. Um, we like to give them their say, which is exactly what I just did. All right. So, but without further ado, I guess, I mean, it's, it's good. We'll just, we'll just go ahead and introduce, uh, introduce you. I've met him already. I've met him backstage. Um, to the new PD of the Adorable Boy podcast. His name is Tom. He's a radio legend. He's walking in right now. Looking majestic in, in a in a in a tracksuit. It's a red tracksuit with with white lines on it. It's beautiful. He looks like a, a geriatric angel. He's a little bit older, but we don't discriminate here. And we know with that age comes wisdom. And that's what we got him here for. He's sitting down. Our Vito's helping him get the microphone on. Tom, it's great to see you. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for joining us on, in the in the mission to to redeem lady podcasting. To 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 be her protector, as we are. So, Tom, first time on the Adorable Boy podcast. Thank you. What do you got to say? Thank you again for coming. It's cold in here. Yeah, it is kind of cold. We'll, we'll fix that. Okay. Um, so, let's just get right into it, Tom. How do you feel about, about being part of the Adorable Boy podcast? And, and, and what, what, are, what are the plans? What, what do you, how are you going to make this, this podcast rise even higher than the heights that it's gotten to gonna feed you gonna take care of you gonna uh, lock you in a room right. with somebody that's awesome tom um i don't know about the about the room thing but taking care of us giving us what we need feeding us the tools that we need to be the best podcast that we can be that's what we hired you for and that's what you're gonna do right 
going to have a good time. I guarantee you. You, you. In fact, when you walk out of that room, man, you're going to say, no, you're going to say, I don't want to leave. Yeah, the, the room again. Sure. Sure. Um, the room of, of great podcasting, the studio here, the, the massive professional studio high atop the adorable boy tower. I like where your head's at, Tom. I like it. Yeah, I, that's great, Tom. I, I, I wish you could get more specific. You know, we'll keep coming back to you throughout the show. The new GM of the Adorable Boy podcast. Tom, everybody. He doesn't want his last name out there on the air. It doesn't matter. He's working behind the scenes. He probably won't be on much after this. He'll be doing his thing out there. Um, anything you want to say before you go back to the office, Tom? No, I... I, 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 I... All right, well, well said. Well said. Okay. Yeah, you can go now. Tom. Yeah, Tom is wandering. We should get like a handler for him, Vito. I don't know, get an intern or something. I just don't really want him going anywhere alone because I mean, he could, and I'm not being, I don't want to be crass here or cruel, but he could drop dead. He looks like he's on death's doorstep and he could drop dead and no one would, would know it. So just make sure someone's with him or an intern, just get an intern. All right. Exciting stuff on the adorable boy podcast this week. Yes. So much to do, so so little time to do it, but we're going to get it done for you. We're going to jam-pack the show with greatness. Whoo! Yeah, I don't know. I felt like screaming. All right, one more thing before we get moving along here. Potato podcaster. Oh, that's sweetie. He just can't quit me. Um, Frank and Bean, no, uh, Vito, I'm sorry. Vito the Vegan Guido, our, our other producer, has been, I believe... Uh, talking to him behind my back or trying to, but I see everything. And he's supposed to call in today. We'll see if he does. We'll see if he calls in with, no with another wacky voice. Um, but he he just can't get enough of me. He can't get enough of the Adorable Boy podcast. Um, he's just he's just a silly willy. And he's supposed to call in today. I, I really hope he does. I want to give him some peace. And it seems the only way to give him peace is to continually knock him down. So if he calls in, that'll be great. Um, I'm not optimistic, but we did a Twitter thing uh, a few days ago. Um, and I just, I steamrolled him. I alpha mailed him. I did all that, those things that I do because I'm just great. He couldn't get a word in. He was too, too scared to try to take control of the conversation. Not that he could anyway, because I'm just too powerful. But let's see if he calls in. Um, that's all I have to say about him for now. I'll talk more about him later if he actually does call in. I'll I'll dedicate some more time to him. Okay, um Vito brought Tom in for some reason. Tom, what do you what do you think about uh Potato Podcast and his his impotent quest to I don't know what he's trying to do. What what do you think about him as our new uh PD? I don't want to take up too much time here, you know, talking about it, but somebody's got to say something about it, especially with the garbage that like, you see on television. Yeah, uh, he's not on TV. Um, I can't imagine he ever would be. But yeah, someone's got to say something, and that's that's what we're going to do. Hey, how about we just bring him in when I tell you to, okay? We're going to have a a, a a Tom a less Tom-heavy show from now on. Yeah, just take him out. No, don't be careful with him. Got graham cracker bones. All right, go. Yeah, go. Okay. All right. Now we got that out of the way. One more piece of business before we get into the meat of the Adorable Boy podcast. As you know, the Adorable Boys fight to maintain the integrity 
of lady podcasting to to ensure that her her tunic is sparkling white and her her aura is golden so we must defend lady podcasting against everyone who would besmirch her and how do you besmirch lady podcasting you may ask if you're new the adorable boy disciples know where i'm going here but if you're new you besmirch lady podcasting by kowtowing and there is one kowtower above all the kowtower above all is known as Mr. James E. Cornett. So every week, we smack him down, figuratively and numerously. We don't, this isn't physical or anything. We intellectually lay the smackdown on him with a bit we like to call Cornette Tober. The boys will win the fight. Cornette kowtows in the night. I remember Cornetober this day. Cornet goes down. Adorable boys will take the crown. I remember Cornetober. All right, let's see. Now, every week we take on Cornet, we will not let him slide for a week. We will not allow him to kowtow. Not now, not never. So, here is the first clip from Cornetober. Now, uh, let me give you some preface here. He runs a wrestling podcast. So one would think that his fans would like him to talk about wrestling. Yet, he's constantly talking about weather and home improvement and things that no one cares about. And here's just another example of him doing that. Here's uh, the first clip of the Kowtowing Cornet podcast. Uh, I mentioned that we're doing a remodeling project that has been several years in the planning and the, the making, the anticipation of the thing. And finally, boom, we pull the trigger at the hottest period of time and... No one cares about your remodeling, Jim. This is a story that you don't want to hear from your family members. Never mind. Tune in a wrestling podcast to hear about remodeling and the weather when you're remodeling. This is ridiculous, Jim. That's a word that you make me use a lot, and I don't like doing it. It's almost becoming a crutch. So I got to come up with better words. But it's just no one cares about your remodeling, Jimbo. No one cares. Talk about wrestling. Every week, there's 20, 30 minutes on weather and garbage. You're kowtowing, Jim, and we're stopping it now. All right, here's a second clip. Talks about uh, more about his stupid house. Two and three quarters walls. But the, the main part of it, and there's a door on the, the, the wall that is not there anymore. There's a, you can walk right into the room from the outside. You can walk right into the room from the outside. Uh, remodeling. Boring. You're not entertaining. You can't, like, I guess there are people out there, and I guess I would be one of them. I can make anything entertaining. I'll read, you know, the phone book, and it'll be entertaining. I'll read a book of cliches. It'll be entertaining. You're not one of those people, Jim. No one cares about your remodeling. You're not, a, you're not skillful at speaking. I guess you used to be good in, in wrestling. You're, you certainly aren't in podcasting. You're a cow tower. All right. Three. This is about all the people at Jim's house doing what? Remodeling it. As if anyone cares. This week, it was on Tuesday. I had two plumbers, two electricians, a general contractor, four of his minions, and the project manager for the heating and air folks from the I could be wrong, but I don't think any of his fans are taking an inventory of who is at his house. 
I mean, it's like his whole podcast is filler. I had two plumbers and HVAC and blah, 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 blah. Get some content, Jim, or stop podcasting. Ugh. All right, next clip. Uh, oh, here's a stupid song. That's how this is labeled by Frankenbeans. He could be quite biting. He can have quite the acid tongue or, or pen, I guess, in this case. Or keyboard, I guess. But uh, yeah, here's a stupid song. Call the plumber whose name is his number. Call the plumber whose name is his number. Call one Tom Drexler. That's his number. Yeah. Ugh. No one tra- tunes into who you sing, Jim. No one. Ugh. And I, do, I don't even know what to say anymore, Jim. Your cow tongue is getting out of control. And maybe maybe it's calling for Podtober to Cornettober. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, maybe it's calling for Cornettober to change a little bit. Maybe we have to evolve. Because you're doing this. And and the fight, maybe the fight has to get more intense and we will do it, Jim. We'll come at you more intense. But for this week, we will still play these clips of you podcasting, of you kowtowing. All right. Next one is something about how the show was delayed. It has been delayed this week because there was hammering, there was sawing, there was bagging, there was blowing, there was pounding. There was a variety of various cacophonous noises going more about your stupid house. We get, you know, the, the stupid double entendre didn't land there. No one, your stupid co-host didn't think it was funny. No one thinks it's funny because it isn't funny. No one thinks you're interesting. No one thinks. I can't imagine anyone thinks while they're listening to this. But here you go, Cornette. You keep going. No one cares that the program is delayed. But that shows how, li- how little you respect your listeners. I'll tell you that much. For shame, Jim. For shame. Delaying your podcast is the worst thing you could do. Go on a week, two weeks, three weeks without podcasting. Sickening, Jim. You're a cow tower. Not standing for it. All right. Now he gets into wildlife, I guess. I don't It's something. Uh, it's labeled deer population. So get ready to hear a Kentucky jackass talk about deer. The deer population... Honestly, it's been a little disappointing this year because last year we had the the two or three adults and we had four of the cute little babies and they were just all around all over the place. This year we got two adults. We had one baby. I haven't seen them the past week and a half since 4th of July. I'm afraid they got run off to a new neighborhood by all the assholes with their fireworks. I wonder if there any of those deer tweet. Anyway, um, now we, we got we got the, the inventory of tradesmen that were at his house. Now we have the inventory of a deer family. This is a, this is a podcast, ladies and gentlemen. His podcast. He's talking about home remodeling. Who's in his house? What deer are near his house? What kind of babies? How he hates fireworks. Oh, can you imagine being this guy's neighbor? Oh, it's like a black hole of kowtowing. You couldn't help but get sucked into it. Oh, anyway, all right. Here's a, another one, and this one apparently highlights how the co-host stinks. So I'll play it. Here we go. And leave quarters under your pillow at night when you lose a tooth or the first time you masturbate when you're a child. Quarter? You get Well, sometimes you get 50 cents. First time you masturbate when you're a child? What? Isn't that the legend that the bunny comes in when you lose a tooth or the first time you jack off and gives you a quarter under your pillow? I've never heard that part of it, no. <laughs> Maybe I just lost that quarter completely independently. <laughs> okay, first of all, 
I love Jim's attempt at being shocking there. You're not a shock jock, Jim. You think it's shocking to talk about self-pleasure? No, Jim. Anyway, your, your listeners don't come to you for humor. They come to you for wrestling. You, you can't provide humor, so don't try. Isn't it like the Easter Bunny with the... Uh, uh. You didn't shock anyone, Jim. You didn't entertain anyone. You kowtowed to everyone. Now, that's my first point about that clip. My second point is how terrible the co-host is. Let's, I'm going to play it again, and let's listen to the co-host, and, and we'll, we'll recap what he says after. And leave quarters under your pillow at night when you lose a tooth or the first time you masturbate when you're a child. Quarter? You get, well, sometimes you get 50 cents. First time you masturbate when you're a child? What? Isn't that the legend that the bunny comes in when you lose a tooth or the first time you jack off and gives you a quarter under your pillow? I've never heard okay, that. Okay, that's enough. Cut it off. Okay, let's. This guy, he can't even pretend that what Jim's saying even matters to anyone. So this is his reaction. A quarter? Huh? What do you mean a quarter? Oh, I've never heard that. <laughs> terrible, terrible co-host, terrible podcast, terrible cornet, kowtowing. The fakest thing. Quarter? What? I've never heard of such a thing. Quarter? Ugh. Ugh. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be surprised because why would a kowtowing podcast have a good co-host? Wouldn't make any sense. A good co-host wouldn't stay with a kowtowing podcast. Let's be honest. All right. Now, now, listen, I've been holding this in, this next clip. I really want to start the show on this and do a two-hour dissertation on it. This is perhaps Cornette's biggest offense ever. I'm going to play it right here, and I'm going to hope that I don't lose my mind because of this. I'm going to play it, and you're going to listen, and then we're going to commiserate together, adorable boy disciples, and we're going to call out this kowtowing together. All right, here we go. Okay, well, I'm going to play it again. It was, uh, he got me so out of sorts with this one, I, I left the volume down. So here we go. You know, I, I love the Reese cups. Reese. Reese. It's Reese's. A guy named Reese made peanut butter cups and he called them Reese's. It doesn't turn into Reese's. You dumb Kentucky cow tower. Reese's. Oh, I can't tell you how mad that makes me. Reese's, Jim. You're going to kowtow. I'm going to stop you. But you at least call a Reese's peanut butter cup what it is. I will not stand for that. Reese's. I don't care where you grew up. It's Reese's. It's not Reese's. I can't, I can't even believe he, I can't believe he would have the guts to do that to me. He knows what he's doing. I, I, I'm shocked. Adorable boy disciples. Shocked. Reese's. That's what he said. A guy named Reese. Reese's. Belong to Reese. All right. I can't. Okay. That's the last clip. I got through it. I, I, I just, I'm not standing for this, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know why I'm saying that today. Ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, 
All right, let's go to the cornet potpourri and let's, you know, this is, there's a, for new people to the podcast, we get new listeners every week. I have to wean myself away from cornet because he just upsets me so much. So the first part of that is a cornet potpourri where we just put together a, a clip of him saying all these stupid things out of context and it's funny. Um, and then we end Cornettober and then we move on. But here we go. Here's the Cornet Potpourri. Here comes Peter Cottontail hopping down the bunny trail. Hippity hop hop, hippity hop hop. You don't like rabbits either. Why are you so anti-rabbit? Jocularity. Cuckoo kachoo. His name is his number. Call one Tom Drexler. That's his number. Yeah. 50-year-old insulation. Six raccoons. Baby bunny rabbit. No, the raccoons have the rabies. Little chubby cheeks. I'm a fan of chocolate in moderation. Acid reflux. Covering your Oreos. Chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. All right. Talking about his favorite things, I guess. Chocolate and... I'm sure he doesn't take it in moderation, though. Let's be honest. See, look at some old pictures of uh, Jimmy. Though I say... I guess they say he lost weight. I don't know. I don't care either. He's a cow tower. Might as well be 600 pounds to me. All right. So that is the end of Cornettober this week. Thank you, ladies and adorable boy disciples. I really messed that one up, didn't I? Thank you, adorable boy disciples. Better. Um, for, for hanging with us. Thank you for fighting kowtowing because I couldn't do it without you. You're the energy that keeps us going here. Um, so let's end this edition of Cornettober and let's get on to the good, the great parts of the Adorable Boy podcast. The boys will win the fight. Cornet cowtows in the night. I remember Cornetober this day. Cornet goes down. Adorable boys will take the crown. I remember Cornetober. All right, yes. That is the ending of another ep- another edition of the cowtow fighting. Cornetober. All right, so... Every week, again, I told you we do a two-step process to get us away from Cornette, to get us as far away from him as we can. So, the second part of this process, the first was the Cornette potpourri. Second part is, of course, being inspired by one of the most inspirational men on the planet, Mr. John Cena and his inspiring tweet of the week. John Cena's inspiring tweet of the week. John Cena's inspiring tweet of the week. It will inspire you. He will inspire you because he's John Cena. And this is his expiring tweet of the week. John Cena will inspire you with his tweets. All right, yes. Getting in that mood, getting in that inspirational mood. This week on the Adorable Boy Podcast. Yes, here it is. Here is John Cena's inspiring tweet of the week. And I quote, Many times daily, we can experience small moments of victory. Allow yourself to recognize them, especially when it feels like the world is against you. John, I, it's like you read my mind. You know, we've, you've really got to enjoy those small victories. You do. You have to. You can't just... You have to get the, take them for all they're worth. Let them inspire you. Right, John? I know what you're saying. I'm sure I know you've been listening. Um, you recognize them and, and 
and, and, and keep them as like a treasure. Cause a lot of times you're going to, in life, you're going to be in, in a situation and it might just be in your head, but either way, it's going to feel like the world is against you and you will have these treasures to, to, to look at and say, this is, this is the goodness that I'm fighting for. These are the good things. This is, this is a small moment that, that makes my life worthwhile because those small moments, and I know John knows this, they add up to big things inside of you. They inspire, right, John? All right. So there you go. That's what he's saying. He's saying, don't, don't let the small victories just pass by, you know, as if they're nothing. They mean something and they can help you in the long run. They're yours and you should keep them. That's what John's saying. And why is he saying that? Why is John Cena telling us all of that? Telling us all that. He's telling us all of that because he wants us to be inspired. John Cena's inspiring tweet of the week. John Cena's inspiring tweet of the week. It will inspire you. He will inspire you because he's John Cena. And this is his expiring tweet of the week. John Cena will inspire you with his tweets. Wonderful. I am feeling better already. Ready to give you the quality content you deserve. All right, we're heading towards break. Um, I see outside, they have Tom. He's standing outside the window. Bring him in. We have an intern stationed with him. That's good. Um, he is, he's wearing, well, he's got the track pants on still, but I guess he took the the top off. It was like a jacket. And um, he's, he's just wearing a, a wife beater, a white uh, A t-shirt for the, you know, to be politically correct as we strive to be. Um, yeah, sit down, Tom. Um, yeah, our new PD, if you're just joining us, new PD, going to help us conquer podcasting even more than we already have. It's going to take us to new heights because if you're not, if you're not rising, then you're falling and we want to always be rising and he's going to help us. He's wearing a red tracksuit. He's, he's a tad old. He's, he's got some hair left. Um, he's got kind of a look in his eyes that I don't know, not quite sure he's positive about where he is or why he is here. But now he's sitting out at the mic. And um, Tom, what do you got to say before we head into break? What, um, what do you want to say to the Adorable Boy podcast, Adorable Boy disciples out there? Oh, I, I uh, yeah, well, I, I, the way I look at everything and the way I'm seeing everything right now, it, it looks like a joke, you know, uh, the things that I see on television, especially the martial arts. And uh, uh, Jackie Chan is a joke, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, in fact, he's a clown. He's a total disgrace to the martial arts. Hmm. Okay. And uh, uh, oh, uh, I, I, other podcasts are a joke, like that potato guy or Cornette. Yeah, I don't know where Jackie Chan fits into any of this, but thank you for the for the wisdom. I guess. Um, so we're gonna have to break and. Um, I guess that's what you wanted to leave with. He it, never it, made a oh, black sorry. belt. He's yeah. an acrobat. He's a stunt man. Oh, and yeah, just, well, to I me, a disgrace to the martial arts. You're being tough. And I hope that. he hears this here so I he'll know, know exactly. I don't, I don't know if he listens. Um, we don't need to talk about Jackie Chan. You know, it's fine. Yeah, just you can go. We'll, we'll bring you back in later. You can talk some more. Okay, Tom? All right. Good job. You're uh, You're something, aren't you? All right. Well, 
we're going to go to break. This is the Adorable Boy Podcast. Uh, keep up with us on Twitter. Drop us a line at Adorable Podcast. Our social media team, hard at work. You can email us, uh, adorablepodcast at gmail.com. A-O-L keyword, Adorable Boy Podcast. What else do we got? Parlor, whatever. I don't, we're on all those things, whatever. Instagram. Get to us. Drop us a line. Talk to us, whatever. Give us a call later. We might take calls. Uh, but this is the Adorable Boy Podcast, and we will be back after this. So why Let's don't go. they do a darn reboot? What, what's going on because with I that? Don't think, because I don't think you should do every show in a reboot. Why, you know? why not? They the are. only reason, by the way, you know why they do reboots, right? You know that. The, the, the only reason why they do it is because they can't promote them. They can't promote a new show. How do you launch a new show with all this fragmentation? So you have to have something that people recognize. Right. So you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking. I'm still waiting to see what happens with the, with the sequel to Who's the Boss. Right, that's... Coming up this week on an all-new The Bane Cosby Show. Sandra wants to take a big step with her boyfriend, Elvin. Sandra, it is my understanding that you wish to cohabitate with your boyfriend, Elton. It's Elvin, Dad. And it's my life. I can do what I want. Calm down, child. I only wish to have audience with him to discuss the particulars, of course. Oh, thank you, Daddy. I'll invite him to dinner tonight. See what you do. But dinner at the Bain House isn't ever what you think it will be. Speak of the devil, and he shall appear. Elvin, let's go down to the basement to discuss things. You're moving in with my daughter. Uh, yes, sir. I, I think it's about time that we took control of our own lives. We need to take charge. Do you feel in charge? Um, can we go back upstairs? Where is Elvin, Dad? I broke him. So tune in to this week's The Bane Cosby Show. Backs will break and daughters will be protected. Hey, hi, how are you? This is the Adorable Boy Podcast, and we are back. Back from break and back from vacation. Yes, a lot of our fans express uh, vitriol in the email. How do you say that word? Vit vitriol? Vitriol? Vitriol, I think. Well, anyway, a lot of our fans express vitriol when we go on vacation. I take it as a compliment. Um, they miss us so much. They, they depend on our content that they can't stand when we're gone. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, there are a lot of podcasts out there who no one cares about. And luckily we're not, we're, we're the farthest thing from that as you can, as you can be, uh, sailed all around the world. It was great. 
nice nice trips on the yacht just good fun good friends good time so we're back though we're back and we're back to business and one of the things we do here on the adorable boy podcast is we proactively apologize so that we can keep podcasting so that we can keep fighting kowtowing we can keep keep fighting kowtowing sure that's what i meant to say all right so here it is uh we have a new sincere apology from the Adorable Boy podcast so that we can stay doing what we do. We know how to we know how to manipulate things, we know how to work things and this is how we do it. So here is a sincere an Adorable Boy podcast. Sincere apology for thinking that words have definitions. Here we go. I'm going to read the press release right now and you're going to love it. That's how this works. All right. The Adorable Boy podcast, purveyor of quality content, continues the heartfelt apology series with a letter of contrition for thinking that words have meanings that can't be changed on a whim and for political reasons. Anytown, USA, August 2022. The wildly popular Adorable Boy podcast offers a sincere and heartfelt apology for believing that there are actual definitions for words like recession, dementia, and hellaciously bad presidential administration. Adorable boy's but adorable boy Spud, that's me, states, We are living in a world where definitions change and reality is fluid. Adorable boy Spud then clarified. That's me again. Well, we don't actually live in that world, but apparently many massive institutions, you know, the media, government, all of those, think they can define truth. They can't, but I guess they'll keep that going until this whole thing goes down in flames. The Adorable Boy Podcast hopes that this apology will spare them from the blood-stained altar and the arbitrary blade of the unthinking mob. The Adorable Boy Podcast traces its roots back more than three decades to the Adorable Boy radio show that was syndicated on multiple stations throughout the country. They were removed from the radio after the controversial Switch for a Switch contest in which a listener was horribly mutated by a back-alley man posing as a physician. All right, there we have it. That is... The Adorable Boy Podcast, sincere apology. We hope you accept it, and it allows us to keep going. Proactive apology, that's how we do it. There's not much more I can say, because it's, it's the time of the podcast that, most, that everyone enjoys. Not most people, everyone. That was being conservative. But really, everyone enjoys it. What do we have here? It's okay, Boomer. All right. Okay, Boomer on the Adorable Boy podcast. One of the the best times to be a, an Adorable Boy disciple. Here we go. Let me get the stats here and let me explain to you what this is. If you're new, we do have new people every once in a while. Um, okay, so Boomer Esiason, legendary quarterback, you know, great broadcaster, all those things. So many great moments in his life. But there are also moments, and I think it's just as important to explore these, where he was just okay. He wasn't bad. He wasn't great. He was just okay. So what we do here is we talk about a time when Boomer Esiason was just okay Boomer. All right, a new uh, twist to okay Boomer. We're going to do a whole season where Boomer was okay. Not good. Not well. He was okay. Not great. Not bad. Just okay. So here we go. The 1990 season. Boomer Esiason played all 16 games for the Cincinnati Bengals. Record of 9-7. and seven. Not bad. You know, pretty good. Um, let's see, 224 completions on 402 passes. That's 55.7 completion percentage. Not bad. 3,031 yards. That's okay. 
24 TDs, 22 INTs, just above, you know, 500. Not great, not terrible, okay. Um, and the Bengals didn't go to the playoffs that season. So there you go. That was an okay season for Boomer. Not great. Okay. I love okay, Boomer. Um, let me just give you some of my personal opinion here. Uh, when I was a kid, I watched wrestling, and there was a wrestler named Diamond Dallas Page. And I know this is a bit of a... I'm, I'm going to work this back to Boomer. Don't worry. You're in, you're in capable hands. So anyway, there was a wrestler named Diamond Dallas Page, and he had this uh, finishing move called the Diamond Cutter. And what it was, he put your head, his, like the, his opponent's head on the shoulder and just like fall to the ground. Devastating move. And I remember the announcers saying that the Diamond Cutter was so dangerous because he could hit it from anywhere. You never, it could just be so quick. You never know when you're going to get hit by that diamond cutter out of nowhere. A, a, a situation where the opponent thought that he was in control. Boom, diamond cutter, one, two, three. So I kind of feel like, okay, Boomer is the diamond cutter in the adorable boy arsenal. I can just, I can, I can do it anywhere and it, and it, it, it succeeds. It, it knocks the socks off people if I can use some blue language. So there you go. That's OK Boomer for this week. A time when Boomer Esiason was just OK. We are chugging right along in the Adorable Boy podcast every week. OK, uh, if you listen. To the Adorable Boy Podcast Weekly, you'll know uh, that we like to check in on AT&T's Twitter account every once in a while. Um, I do everything for you, Adorable um, OK Boomer, I'm sorry, is uh, one of the things, you know, I, I know the crowd loves it. I do it. I love it. And I do it because I know you love it. This one is, is more for me, but I know, of course, you enjoy it as well. Um, AT&T has employed, and this is a bit of a recap if you'll bear with me, um, consistent Adorable Boy disciples. AT&T has employed a, a buxom young lady to do their ads on, mostly I see on the internet and Twitter, on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, whatever. It does not go well for AT&T, though. Um, most comments are about how, uh, th- about this woman, good or bad. Um, a lot of them, th- the term milkers is, is bandied about quite often, and she even got uh, upset by it and made a video about how it hurts her feelings. And it's just been a whole thing. It hasn't stopped. Of course, it's not going to stop. Yet in the commercials, they seem to be trying to cover her up. Doesn't work. Comments are still the same. So we like to read some of them. Every once in a while, we like to comp- uh, compile some and read them for you. So here's, here's a few of the funny Twitter comments about uh, this buxom young lady. Now, this one, this particular comment was directed at a, a, um, an ad that had the aforementioned buxom woman. And another lady with blonde hair, um, which this Twitter user responds, sup, Wayne Gretzky on the left. He's saying the woman looks like Wayne Gretzky. And, you know, I saw the ad and he's not that wrong. But, you know, I don't know why he needs to point that out. Uh, And then here's another comment. I don't think AT&T wanted this one. The woman on the right kills her offspring and yawns about it. I don't know. I don't know about the truth to any of that. Here's a rambling one about AT&T supports domestic terrorists, BLM, and Antifa, and hates you. That's not going to make anyone want to get an AT&T account, phone, whatever. This next one, it's not mean. Um, I don't, it just has nothing to do with AT&T. 
This person says, the blonde resembles Laura Dern, who's an actress in, in a lot of stuff. Again, not bad. Actually good. You know, she's a, she's, she's a handsome woman, Laura Dern. If you know her, she was in Jurassic Park. But nothing to do with AT&T. Let's see what the next one is. All right. That girl on the left looks like she's 60 years old. He's referring to the Wayne Gretzky one. And I don't think she looks like she's 60. She looks more like Laura Dern than Wayne Gretzky, though there could be a resemblance with Wayne Gretzky. All right, next one. Uh, Let's see. (laughs) This one says kiss already. I don't... I don't think AT&T wants, wants that, you know, affection between two people in their ads when they're trying to sell phones. Uh, someone says Twin Peaks, again, referring to the busty nature of the spokeswoman. Uh, bad acting 101. Not going to say no. Again, though. Not good for AT&T. All right, here. Check out the AT&T lady's Twitter. She is a bundler. I don't know what a bundler is. For the DNC. Please give, please have a lizard rep you like Geico. Oh gosh, that's that's not that's not flattering for anyone. Uh, here's the next one. Why do they both have such awful hairstyles? Uh, <laughs> next one. Someone said he's a dude. Neither of them are dudes. Neither of them even look like dudes. I'm gonna be honest. Um, uh, I don't know what this is in reference to, but th- this comment isn't the funny one. But here it is. He says, I'm also not on a national multi-million dollar ad campaign. I don't know um, what's that in response to, but then someone responds to that with, but you are a little gay for having children. <laughs> I don't think AT&T wants their message to be people who procreate are gay. It's not even factual. I mean, it's, it's obviously not factual. All right, then it says, uh, but, and then he says the actress's name has a big rack. Hmm? More, uh, more talk about that. Uh, let's see. OMG, that girl is so gorgeous. I, I don't know if I agree with that either, but at least it's not mean. The one on the left reminds me of a creepy China doll, only more scary. Uncanny Valley stuff, the way she looks and moves. This, this person really, really uh, analyzed this woman. This woman has taken a beating, and she's not, she's fine. She looks fine to me. Um, and then someone responds to that. In regards to creepiness, China dolls can hold a candle to white bigots. I don't think AT&T wants the word bigots used in, in reference to their advertising. That's just me. I'm not, I'm not a marketer, though I market our podcast, you know, geniusly. But I'm pretty sure bigot isn't a buzzword that AT&T wants. Someone else says, I saw a couple of reasons to comment on this tweet more about the, the model's buxy nature. Uh, let's see. Someone says, look at hidden comments. The hidden comments are funny. Some of these are the hidden comments. Then someone just writes in some kind of Arabic language. I don't know what it says. Probably something about milkers. Someone asks if these phones are edible. That's just funny. Uh, let's see. And someone has a, a picture of uh, wrestling commentator Jim Ross with the text, them, them things hanging, respectfully speaking. Someone says a milk truck just arrived. Then uh, someone says, look at those big ass uh, buxoms. He didn't use the word buxoms, but I'm going to, if it's a word. Uh, that sweater can't even hand, hide them. Mm, more. And then someone says, you really think you can hide the milkers? Do you really think we would forget? This guy is, is, is defiant in his uh, 
this guy is defiant in his, his zeal for what he calls milkers. Another them thanks hanging. Uh, let's see. How much, how much data can those things hold? They are breathtakingly massive. I don't think they hold any data, to be honest with you. What was it? Data. Whatever. Um, let's see. Who doesn't enjoy staring at that huge giant phones you have there? <laughs> Someone just, just writes this C word. We don't work blue here on the Adorable Boy podcast, so I won't say it. But again, that's another buzzword I don't think AT&T wants. Someone says, wow, those are huge. Talking about buxom. Uh, <laughs> here's a tough one. I wonder what she'd say if her mom wanted to abort her. A good question, considering I, 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 her alleged uh, love for abortion. I don't know that to be true, though. Um, I don't think she'd say anything, but I don't think she would like it. Twitter user. And there, I don't know what this one is. It's a guy with an elongated face. He kind of looks like Kylo Ren from Star Wars. I don't know if it is him. But they elongated his face like with with uh, Photoshop, and it just says what. I have no idea what that is referring to. Then someone asks, "Do you vape?" Then someone just comments, "Travis, this is interesting. I don't know if it's working for AT and T." Oh, here's another great one. You employ a werewolf. I don't even. I don't know what that says. I don't know. Who, it's responding to AT and T. I don't know what werewolf they're employing. Then someone says, "Didn't she kill her unborn child?" Kill her unborn child is not something you want on Google associated with your company. That's what I'm saying. After her proud statements about having an abortion, that's all I think about when I see your ads with her evil face. I will never get my phone service from you. Didn't work on that person, AT&T. It didn't. Someone says mommy milkers and then posts a gif of milk pouring. Um, someone says they're really making an effort to hide her massive milkers, aren't they? Well, that's just true. That's what they're doing. Next one is trying to block our view of those magnificent milkers. Milkers is used a lot. Another buzzword I don't think AT&T wants. Uh, let's see. Amazing job, job covering up those big buxoms. Except they didn't say buxoms. Let's see. Any more? Let's see. Someone says... Zom, Z-O-M-G, Zom, boobies, bobbies, Zom, bobbies. Then someone says, this tweet tells you, tells the world you've got a crippling porn addiction and live in your mom's basement. What is that guy doing? It's just a stupid thing to say. First of all, it's probably true. But you coming on saying it like a white knight is just, that's ah, pathetic. Anyway. Next, next person doesn't agree with that, that last comment. He says, just show us your goods. That's what you're there for. And I assume he means her buxoms. Then is James Dean seemingly caressing a bottle of a glass bottle of milk. Uh, oh, soapy sud. Um, now this next one is tough. Your only worth is your appearance. And once it's gone, you'll be nothing. Harsh, harsh thing to say to a phone commercial. But hey, AT&T put it out there. Um, she has big breasts. I like that about her. He's blunt. I like that. And then the last one, which I think is the most poignant one. Uh, Tig ol' bitties. There we go. Always have fun reading the AT&T comments. Wonderful. Oh, do I have a treat here for you guys for the Adorable Boy Cyples, new and old. Um, a few months ago now, we created a an episode, a special report on Marxism. I took an interview from... 
some uh, liberal media agency, some dumb, dumb liberal media agency, um, who interviewed some dumb, dumb commie economy professor. Um, and I basically just completely dis- destroyed the arguments. He, he was for Marx. He, he liked Marx. He likes Marxism. And he said why, and I destroyed him. It was pretty easy, actually, too. But then I said, you know what? Marx shouldn't get off so easy. Then I said, you know, the best way to educate people how, how, how stupid Marxism is, is to just read his own words. Listen to the economists who are, you know, they spent their life studying. They, they need to believe that Marx was correct. You know, they're just, they're dum-dums is, is the thing. Just take Marx's words, take the source, and everyone will just see how stupid it is. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe someone could take these garbage words in, this, in his writings and, and make sense of them. They can't. But I'm going to, so I decided I'm going to read them. Just read the words to you guys, talk about them, and it's, it's the best Marx education you'll ever get. And of course, you'll come to the conclusion of how ridiculous Marxism is. So I figured, you know, maybe we won't do it every week, but we're going to do it. We're going to go through the Communist Manifesto, and when we get through that, maybe we'll go on to Das Capital and just read all of Marx's garbage. Um, just to show everyone, you know, how ridiculous it is. So he did like a page and a half introduction into the Communist Manifesto. I figured that's a good place to start. Um, some some background on Marx. He was a he was born. His dad was a lawyer, so he was born pretty rich. Um, he went to school at the University of um, uh, Berlin, I think. I could be wrong on that, but he uh, he, was, he seemed to be pretty intelligent in a way, um, but he didn't want to do work. He was lazy, it would seem. And he didn't really go to class. He would rather argue in bars about stuff. And he wrote a letter to his dad that I read. I should find that, but whatever. And basically said, hey, you know, I'm not doing great in school, but I'm really giving it to them in the bars. And his dad was mad. So he uh, sent him to a different university, University of Bonn, B-O-N, um, which... I've, I've heard it described as a diploma mill where, you know, it's very easy to get a diploma. I don't know if that's true. I really don't. I got to be fair. I wouldn't doubt it, but I got to be fair. And he did get a degree from there. And then he started, he started being, he was a journalist and he married the wife of a rich guy, the, the daughter. He married the daughter of a rich guy. And his family was pretty much always poor, except for where he could kind of swindle people into giving them money. His collaborator, Frederick Ingalls, gave him a lot of money. Help support him throughout his whole life, basically. So anyway, he wrote this garbage communist manifesto for a group that um, asked him to. It's like a pamphlet. It's um, not not very well written, but uh, it says on, it's credited by the communist manifesto by Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels. And um, oh, it's actually on the cover it says a political pamphlet. So it is a pamphlet. Okay, so here's the introduction. I'm going to read it, the, read the exact words, and then we'll talk about it. We'll just do the introduction today, and um, we'll have fun with it. Here we go. A specter is haunting Europe. I agree with that, both when he writ, wrote this in the 1800s and now. The specter of communism. Uh, all powers of old Europe have entered into a holy alliance to exercise this specter. Pope and Tsar, Matternick and Guizot, French radicals and German police spies. So what he's saying here is that the idea of communism has come and all of the the old guard, all the rulers, all the, you know, the the establishment in Europe of the day were uniting to stop it. OK, uh, well, he's, he's really framing it pretty dramatically, but 
the the language doesn't really yeah, I don't know. Okay, here we go. Where is the party in opposition that has not been decried as communistic by opponents in power? Where is the opposition that has not hurled back the branding reproach of communism against the more advanced opposition parties, as well as against its reactionary adversaries? So what he's saying there is all ideologies are attacked, are, are rejected by the people in power. They want to keep the status quo. They don't want this new ideology ruining what they have. That's basically what he's saying there. Not completely untrue. I mean, in the way he's applying it, it's untrue. But I mean, the, the British would have called the did call the Americans terrorists, the, the colonists who, who staged revolution. So, all right. Next paragraph. Two things result from this fact. Communism is already acknowledged by all European powers to be itself a power. Um, it is high time the communists should openly, in the face of the whole world, publish their views, their aims, their tendencies, and meet this nursery tale of the specter of communism with a manifesto of the party itself. It's interesting that he refers to the nursery tale of communism, because I can't think of anything that's more of a fairy tale than communism. But like, it's not even an entertaining fairy tale. It's like, it's like one where everyone gets brutally murdered, there's no humor, and it just it doesn't even end. You know, there's no satisfaction in it whatsoever. That's the kind of tale that communism is. Um, oh, whoops. My book hit the microphone. Very unprofessional. Won't happen again. All right. To this end, communists of various, various nationalities have assembled in London and sketched the following manifesto. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I've read this multiple times. I thought there was more in that introduction, but there isn't. It's, he's basically saying everyone's scared of communism, which they were, but I mean just because of the murder involved. Um, but let's go on to the chap chapter one. We'll read a little bit of it. We won't read it all. All right. And we'll uh, just talk about how much of a dum-dum that Mr. Karl Marx is. The history of all hitherto... Ex oh, okay. Chapter one. Bourgeois and proletarians. Now, I'll define them for you. If you don't know, bourgeois was the upper class, the factory owners, the, the industry people. Um, proletarians were the workers, basically. He throws more people into the proletarians as this goes on, but we'll get there. Uh, but basically, it's high class versus low class. And we're going to see in, very quickly in this why he does that, why he puts them into classes, why he, why he so clearly marks off each from each. First, first chapter, the history of all hitherto existing society is a history of class struggles. Freeman and slave, patrician and plebeian, lord and serf, guildmaster and journeyman. In a word, oppressor and oppressed stood in constant opposition to one another, carried on an uninterrupted, now hidden, a fight that each time ended either in a revolutionary reconstitution of society at large or in the common ruin of the contending classes. You know, it's funny. He writes this whole thing it's all against capitalism um, and talks about um, that whole paragraph was about how throughout history, it's always been about class struggles. Um and that and those class struggles either end in revolutionary reconstruction of society or the common ruin of the contending classes. Now, tell me, capitalism been going on. You know, we'll talk about it. We'll say we'll take it just from the American Revolution and the, the establishment of America and our economy. How are we doing? Have we. I mean, is everything have, have we had common ruin of the classes? No, we've had a revolutionary reconstruction of society at large with the American Revolution. And now it's been, you know, almost 300 years. We're going on 300 years. How are we doing? Less hunger? Yeah. 
Though, of course, I mean, people still are in hunger, but usually that's because of terrible government bureaucracy. The group that, you know, he wants to give all the power to, basically. Though he'll say it's for the people, we, we know he's lying. Um, so capitalism hasn't ended like that. One of, Karl, one of the tenets of Karl Marx, and we'll, we'll see it in here, but I'll introduce it to you now, is he saying that capitalism will destroy itself. Capitalism can't stand because capitalism is building the people who will destroy it, otherwise known as the proletariats. That's his stance, yet that hasn't happened yet. And if you ask modern Marxists why that hasn't happened yet, the answer you'll get a lot is that Marx underestimated people's love for crap. Now, the definition of crap is interesting because I would say that Marx underestimated the people's love of having a good life, of having a car, of having a house, of not starving to death, of getting, of, of working a portion of the day and a portion of the week and then getting to enjoy their family and their, or if they don't have a family, whatever they like to enjoy in life. That's what people like. That's what Marx underestimated. The whole goal of Marx is to tell people that they're, they're failures and it's not their fault. There's nothing they can do about it other than give that power to the collective. That's Marx's goal. I'd love for someone to tell me something otherwise, because it's right in his words. You're going to read about him telling people how oppressed they are and how much their lives are terrible, even as capitalism has given them lives, has given them jobs, has, has made them not have to work all day. As in industry developed, they no, no longer needed to work from dusk till dawn or dawn till dusk or whatever to, to make what they made before. So now... Instead of, let's say they make pants, instead of the entire family living in a dark house, making pants in dangerous conditions, industry came along. They can go to a factory and make it and do, it for, do, in eight, do the work in eight hours that they used to do in 14. And they have a life. That's apparently what Marx hates, I guess. So just keep that in mind as we read this. Marx's goal is to tell you that you're a failure and you can't do anything about it other than give up yourself to the group. And we know that's untrue, obviously. But here we go. Next uh, paragraph. In earlier epochs of history, we find almost everywhere a complicated arrangement of society into various orders, a manifold gradation of social rank. Here he is telling you where you fit and there's nothing you can do but destroy everything. In ancient Rome, we have patricians, knights, plebeians. Slaves, in the Middle Ages, feudal lords, vassals, guildmasters, journeymen, apprentices, serfs. In almost all of these classes, again, subordinate gradations. So apparently Marx only defines people by what they do. Even as capitalism and industrialization lessened, people didn't have to be defined by what they do. They could be defined by their hobbies, their talents, their skills, what they pursue other than their work. But no... Marx apparently sees a world in which those gradations are impossible, are, are unavoidable, I'm sorry. That's all you are. And you're a failure again. Again, you're a failure. Give your power to the collective. Next paragraph. The modern bourgeois society that has sprouted from the ruins of feudal society has not done away with class antagonisms. It has but established new classes, new conditions of oppression, new forms of struggle in place of the old ones. So he's saying that... The people under feudalism who were stuck in a, in a, in a, on a level, couldn't leave it, never could leave it, never moved. You're the same as them. You're a failure. You're a, you're a factory worker. You're nothing else. Your life means nothing else. That's what he's saying. He's convincing people of this because he has to convince people of this. 
so that they'll give their power to him. Our epoch, the epoch of the bourgeoisie, possesses, however, the distinct feature it has, it, this, this distinct feature. It has simplified class antagonisms. Society as a whole is more and more splitting up into two great hostile camps, into two great classes directly facing each other, bourgeoisie and proletariat. So that's what I was explained before. These are the two classes. He, he has to give an enemy. He has to give you two things in order for you to, to pledge your allegiance to the collective communists. He needs to give you people to hate, an enemy, the bourgeoisie, and he needs to give you people to commiserate and unite with the proletariat. He's effectively done that here, and a lot of people have fallen for it. I don't know how, but they have. Uh, let's see. Is that a good place to stop? Let's see what he goes on to here. Um, yeah, that's a good place to stop. So what do we have in our first... Um, let me mark it here so I know. In our first delving, our first dive into, into Marxism, uh, what do we have? So we have the fact that Marx is trying to convince... The reader, that one, you're a failure and there's nothing you can do about it. And you're, you're just as bad off as everyone has been in history. And give your power to the collective. That's the only way to stop it. That's what he's saying. And there are two classes, the proletariat and the bourgeoisie. Bourgeoisie are rich, greedy capitalists. Proletariat is a group opposing them. The only, the only power you have is in the collective, is in the bourgeoisie, is in the proletariat. You're not powerful in yourself. You're a loser. And you're expendable. Marx, I, I very much disagree with these contentions and your, your, uh, your view as a whole. And we're going to keep going. We're going to keep delving into and diving and destroying this stupid ideology you made. All right, moving right along on the Adorable Boy podcast. Uh, this thing, other thing caught my eye. There's a, um, there's a guy, I see him on Twitter a lot. His name is Alex Stein and he is pretty hilarious. He goes to like, um, board meet school board meetings and stuff like that. And he screams and yells and he basically, basically makes a joke out of it and he gets kicked out a lot. And it's pretty funny. I'm not exactly sure how I feel about him. I don't know all of his views, but I like that part of what he's doing. Um, showing these things to be the joke that they are. And he's very... He's very anti-woke, if you can say that. I hate the word woke, but whatever. We play the um, one of his videos. Frank and me, just get one up there. Um, so he goes to like city council meetings, and he 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 basically he he sings and he whatever. He he's usually dressed in something ridiculous. In this one, it looks like he's in a blazer and a um, and jeans. He looks fine, but um, the title of this one is "Dr. Fauci is my hero." You will you will be greatly missed, Tony. Please don't go. This is uh, Prime Time Alex Stein ninety nine, doing some great work. I think right up the adorable boy alley. Here we go. Stein. Guys, I have some terrible news. Dr. Anthony Fauci is retiring. I'm sure you heard the bad news, and it's going to be a nightmare, especially with the monkeypox epidemic. He's you wearing a stethoscope around his neck. Prime Time ninety nine Alex Stein. <laughs> I'm the greatest city council rapper of all time. Mayor Munz, don't give me that look. Come on, smile. Give me a little smile. Don't, give me a little smile. You know you're happy to see me. I'm on the grind all the time. I know my man Tony's here. He shares this the same name as Tony Fauci. And let me tell you something, Anthony. Tony, I'm going to miss you so much. And all of us could be the victim of a serious virus. Dr. Fauci saved our life. If it wasn't for Dr. Fauci, none of us would be here. He turned so around there to I speak to the crowd. You can't see the crowd, though. Here's a song. 
Doctor Fauci, what can I say? Doctor Fauci, you made me gay. Doctor Fauci, I love you so much. <laughs> Doctor Fauci, I need to touch. Doctor Fauci, please don't leave. This is a a city council meeting. Doctor Fauci, stick it in my butt. Doctor Fauci, you made me nuts. <laughs> Doctor Fauci, stick the needle. Doctor Fauci, catch it on the beagle. All right. Do you have the uh, the AOC one, Frankenbeans? Um, that's great. That's what he does. He also did another one where he stands on the Capitol steps and um, AOC, who I like to educate on this podcast about economics. Uh, she walks by him, and he, he um, well, I'll, I'll let him do it. But he he has his cell phone and he's he's just standing there waiting for him. He talks to her, and she actually comes over. Yeah, just play that one, Frankenbeans. That's the one. AOC, my favorite big booty Latina. I love you, <laughs> AOC. You're my favorite. She wants to kill babies, but she's still beautiful. <laughs> you look very beautiful in that dress. You look very sexy. Look at that booty on AOC. That's my favorite big booty Latina. So she's walking over to him now, giving him the peace it. sign. AOC, nice now she's walking away. <laughs> look how sexy she looks in that dress. Woo, I love it, oh my AOC. Gosh. Hot, hot, hot like a tamale. So anyway, that's who this guy is. He's really funny. He's really, you know, I mean, it's silly, but it's... It's poignant. The way I think it's very much in the in the in the realm in the in the style of the adorable boys. Um, so anyway, I, this other guy is named Dave Portnoy, and he does um, barstool sports. I've heard of it. I really don't know what it is. I've seen him do like pizza reviews, and I really can't stand the way he talks. But I don't. I've never. I've never watched or listened to anything from barstool sports, so I don't know what they do. Um, but. He he's a very he's a guy he's he's like a frat guy let's say and I know the left wing doesn't like him I I'm pretty sure, um, but then when the uh, Roe v Wade thing was reversed he came out and talked about how terrible it was and how how terrible for Republicans, and I don't know the guy and, and apparently he's like a millionaire, and very successful but I think that's I mean the, the liberals already don't like you why would you then make enemies of the your fan base the conservatives. Now you can you can have your opinion. I'm not saying he should hide his opinion, but I, I saw a video of the way he did it. And it's not even worth playing, but he just did it in such a pompous way. He did it in a way that wasn't going to appeal to conservatives. Um, and I guess Alex Stein has been taunting him or something. I don't know why, but he came out. Portnoy, the guy from Barstool Sports, uh, came out talking bad about Alex Stein, um, and a- Alex Stein responded, and he. I mean, Portnoy looks terrible. I don't know how he could have made such a misstep in in insulting um, Alex Stein and, and going after him. He said he doesn't like him and, and he's bad for politics or something. Uh, so here's a, here's a sample of what people are saying. This is uh, Jason Whitlock. He's a sports guy, but he gets into political stuff now. He's pretty pretty good actually. Um, here's a tweet of his. It says, "Dave Portnoy, El Presidente is a fraud." He has no redeeming qualities other than his wealth. Remove his money, and he wouldn't have a friend in this world. If we weren't living in an era completely hostile to masculinity, Portnoy would be broke in Boston delivering pizza. I mean, that's kind of the the um, that's the temperature of what, what's going on here. And then, well, oh, Dave Portnoy's response to exactly what I just read says, "You're fat," which isn't doing him any favors. Everyone is calling this guy a fraud. And that's the thing. He, he made enemies of the liberals by doing what he does, being a frat boy and all that kind of stuff. 
It's just, to me, it's unbelievably stupid to just alienate everyone. Going after a guy, Alex Stein, who's who's being noticed. That that AOC thing I just played got him noticed, and he did a lot of stuff before and after that. But here, Team Portnoy released something. I'll, I'll go over it. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's long. Um, let's see. He says, uh, our country is... Fa- this is the guy from Barstool Sports, the uh, the idiot. Our country is falling apart. It seems that every day we're at each other's throat, screaming opinions into our own personal echo chambers, blah, blah, blah. The right has the, hates the left, but one man stands above it all. The hero is David S. Portnoy. Now, this would be good, and this would be in the in the thread, in the in the spirit of what we do. But, I mean, he already made his bed. This is nothing but trying to salvage something. This is pathetic. This is desperate. And so it's not funny. It's not anything. Uh, and some are beginning to call Portnoy the last true American. Again, it's just not funny. I get the, you know, uh, the braggadocio, if, if I can say that. Um, Vito likes when I say that. I get it, but it's just not working here. You're, you've destroyed, this isn't the way to fix it, Davy boy. All right, summer beginning, blah, blah, blah. The left hates Portnoy because he's brash, not politically correct, and told a few jokes in his day. Exactly. They don't like you. Now the right doesn't like you. What are you doing? The right then tried to co-opt Portnoy, even though the three-time bee sting survivor has always maintained that he answers to nobody. Uh, he answers to somebody, obviously. Um, I don't know. This doesn't have anything to do with uh, Alex Stein. I don't know. Alex Stein did comment on that and said it was uh, embarrassing, which he's right. Alex Stein made a pretty funny response. I mean, in case you don't know, we're on Alex, Stein, Alex Stein's side here. He's, he's just, you know, clearly the, the right one here. Let's see if I can find Alex Stein's thing that he posted. Alex Stein. All right, here it is. Did it the same exact font and everything as Portnoy. On the top, it says Team Primetime number 99 for immediate release. This is Alex Stein's response to Dave Portnoy. Our country's falling apart. Failed reality, reality TV stars like me, Alex Stein, Primetime 99, is trolling David Portnoy, the last true American hero, on Twitter. I get it. I failed at reality TV, and I get it. Online gambling corporations and government agencies don't like my content, so last action hero Dave Portnoy can't post it. So I don't know this to be the truth, but he seems to be insinuating that when Dave Portnoy said he doesn't answer to anyone, he answers to gambling corporations and government agencies. You know. I, I believe it. Sure, he has sponsors. All right, now he says, but I'm Alex Stein, primetime 99, always on the grind. I don't want hate and divisiveness. I want love and unity. I want positive vibrational energy. I want to stand alone. <laughs> I want to stand alone together with the brave and heroic employee of a mega gambling corporation, the real American hero, Dave Portnoy. Let's all unite behind Dave Portnoy's brave and heroic leadership and his inspiring message. Let's validate him and not criticize him for being pro-choice. He likes to kill babies, but he's still beautiful. Like AOC. Let's follow Dave Portnoy's example and reject the hive mind and instead unite behind Dave Portnoy to stop criticizing him and stop posting content that gambling corporations and government agencies disapprove of. Hopefully then our broken country will become united again. Thanks, Dave. You are the best. There you go. Um, Alex Stein is dominating that guy. It's... uh, I can't, it's, it's rare that someone makes such a big miscalculation as that guy Dave did. It's a lot like what Potato does. And I think, yeah, do we? Okay. Potato is actually on the phone. He, uh, Vito's telling me it's him. 
I'm going to believe him. It could be one of his, you know, whatever, his disciples or whoever he had call in before. But I think the guy who I spoke to on Twitter was him. So I'll know the voice. Um, so yeah, put him on hold. I just want to set this up because I'm a professional podcaster. We are live and local today. We have a caller, an obsessed podcaster. Got him on hold. Uh, I should probably give you a little bit of a preamble here. Um, so this guy, he's on hold right now. He's just this obsessed podcaster who's been just obsessing about us, obsessing about our success, obsessing about just every, he's jealous of the mansions and the cars and the career that I've built. And that's cool. You know, I get it. It's just that he's also bitter and creatively bankrupt. Um, he calls us, he plays these weird clips. He, um, he just, he, he just, he puts movie clips onto his YouTube because he's creatively bankrupt. He, he tries to get people that way, but he has like five listeners to his podcast. Our production team has, um, they've, uh, they've made so many, so many great songs, great, great, uh, parody songs against him. And he, that drives them crazy. Um, I was going to have a mental health professional, um, evaluate him. But I'm just, I don't want to push this guy over the edge. I want him to do what he wants to do and have fun in his life and just forget about us because it's really weird, his obsession. So um, this is the Potato Podcaster, and he, he finally got the guts to call in to the best podcast ever. The, we're, we're climbing the ranks. We got our new PD, and he is he's gangbusters for us, really. Um. So here, I'm going to give him his chance to talk. Let's see if there's anything else about him. Oh, yeah, he never takes a risk. That's, that's one of the big reasons he's jealous of us. He, uh, we take, we, we've taken chances in our career, and they've paid off, and he doesn't want to. So he stays where he is, which is fine. That's great for him. But just leave us alone, you know what I mean? So anyway, Potato Podcaster, you are on the line. I'm going to take you off hold here in a second, and you can have your say. Whatever you want to say, you're finally on your, the podcast you love the most in this world, the Adorable Boy podcast. So there you go, Potato. Hello, welcome to the Adorable Boy podcast. <laughs> uh, I guess we had some trouble with the phones. Hmm. It's a shame he had to listen to that whole thing. Maybe we should call him back, Vito. Call him back. <laughs> He's going to be so mad. Are we at, Oh, is he, back, is he back on? Okay, good. Uh, I, guess, I guess we had some uh, technical difficulties. Um, potatoes still on the line. Um, okay. So again, let me, I'm sorry for the, for the problem. Let me welcome you again to the adorable boy podcast. Potato, have your say, be done with it. We, we don't, you don't have to be jealous of us your entire life. You can do your podcast and I'll do my podcast. So potato, you have, you can have your say. Here we go. Go ahead. What station are we on? In the Oh no, another technical difficulty. Oh boy. Huh. All right, let's hope that doesn't happen again. Call him back if uh, Frank and me. This guy is the, just the sweetest guy ever. I mean, honestly. Just the sweetest guy ever. All right, so this is the Adorable Boy Podcast. I just call Potato. Uh, I don't know if he hung... I, we might have had a technical difficulty, I'll be honest, because I'm an honest broadcaster. Um... But he might have hung up because he's scared. I don't know. Really, I don't know. I, I think it was a technical difficulty on our end. Um, we're trying to call him back, but he just won't answer. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go on um, on Twitter Spaces, and we're just going to come clean about um, this potato podcaster and his obsession 
with the Adorable Boy podcast. I invited him on Twitter. If you don't know what Twitter Spaces is, it's like a thing on Twitter where you can talk to people, basically. And, you know, you make a room and you host it and you can let other people speak if you want. Um, that's the thing that I referenced earlier when I uh, said that I, me and Potato had, I, I alpha mailed him, basically, in the Twitter space. Um, so there you go. Yeah, um, I'm just waiting for people to join. All right, we're in the Twitter spaces. Place is full. Um, so Potato is just such a silly guy. He um, he keeps trying to get me to call his show and do a, uh, like a Twitter space where he, he moderates it or someone else moderates it, someone else that hates me, um, or the Adorable Boy podcast. That, our social media team handles all of this. Usually I just kind of, sometimes I drop in, sometimes I don't, um, you know, whatever. But um, so that's what he wants, but... I'll tell you why he wants that, this Mr. Potato Head, because, um, <clears throat> see what he wants to do, and this is what he's done, my people have told me, he gets podcasts to fight with them because he thinks it's 1995, and he gets them to call in, and he, he almost pretends like he wants to have a real conversation with you when you do call in, if you do call in. There's a few podcasts that have fallen for his trap. Hey, you know what happens? I don't judge them. But... What he, that, the reason he wants you to call into something he records and he puts out is because all that he cares about is what he says. And in his kind of warped mind, that's the truth. So what he'll do is he'll lull you into like it's a re regular conversation, lull you in like it's a regular conversation. And then after that, he'll edit the clips to make it look like he dominated you. It's pretty pathetic. And that's what he wants to do. So... That's exactly why I don't do that. Why would anyone? It's insane to do that. It would be stupid. Um, I mean, I, he can call in here anytime he wants just so the other side is there. You know what I mean? So that he can't, even if he edits his stuff, the adorable boys put it out and everyone believes that because we've built up credibility in this business over the past 30 years. So that's Mr. Potato Head. I had hoped he would uh, call up and... Um, talk and, and, you know, try to be a person, but I guess there were some technical difficulties, huh? He was pretty mad at that. <laughs> All right, so that's it. And that will be the end of this week's Adorable Boy podcast. Maybe Potato will call next week. Maybe we'll try calling him. We've never called him yet. Um, that's the end of this Adorable Boy podcast. I enjoyed it. I hope you did, too. I know you did, because you're Adorable Boy disciples, and you're the best. So there it is. All right, Spaces, I'm ending you. All the people on Twitter heard it. Um, forgot about that. I got caught up in the broadcasting, because that's what matters to me, the broadcasting. So there we go. That is the end of this week, this week's edition of the Adorable Boy Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Potato, if you're out there, at least you called in. You made some, some progress. Maybe next time you'll actually, you know, say something or speak or... Maybe, maybe one day you'll be honest with yourself. I don't know. But there we go. Thank you for joining us. We will see you next week on the Adorable Boy Podcast. <laughs>